my topic this morning is poured all out, and you'll see quickly uh, why it is poured all out. Scripture that I'm coming from today is Mark chapter 14. I know if we have it on the screen, you could find it on your cell phone or uh, Bible if you have it. Reading from Mark chapter 14. I'm just reading a few verses here, 3 to 9, and then we'll get into the meat of our message. So the Bible says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Let's bow our head. Father, we thank you for this moment, God, in time that you have selected each and every one of us to be here. We are so grateful to you for the many sacrifices that you have made, Lord God, that afforded us to be gathered in this fashion, Lord, to hear a word from you, Lord God. As I speak, Lord God, let your people hear you. Let these words, Lord God, not go on deaf ears, Lord God, but let the hearts be receptive. I pray even right now, Holy Spirit, that you'll move through each chair and each bench and each person. And I pray, oh God, that you will just create, Lord God, a place in their heart, Lord God, to receive this word from you, Lord God. Take me out of the way, Lord God, and have your way this morning. We thank you for what you're about to give to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say, amen, amen, amen. amen. I'm so excited about this word this morning. Uh, When I was preparing uh, just this sermon and kind of like, coming up with this team, uh, pour it all out. And, you know, I see where this woman poured out all of her oil from her alabaster jar. And we're in this series called One Week to Live. If you had one week to live and you're at the end of the road, what kind of decisions would you make? If you were at the end of the road, what kind of statements would you make? If it was your last week to live, what would you do with your money? What would you do with your time? What would you do with your efforts? What would you do? When I was, uh, and many of you might know this, when I was uh, in college, uh, as a matter of fact, the reason why I uh, came to the States initially was because uh, I got a scholarship offer to the University of Michigan where I was a long jumper. 
And I know whenever, if, 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 you're, if you know anything about Trek, whenever people see me, they say, oh, you're a long jumper? I thought long jumpers were tall. That's the first thing I get. <laughs> whenever I was competing, all oh, these guys, they were like 6'4 and 6'5 and that was the shortest. You know, it would be like, it w- whenever the camera would go across, like, all the competitors, it would be like, such and such from Purdue University, such and such from Wisconsin, Robert Pedler from Michigan. <laughs> and, you know, I always told myself, hey, you know, you're like David. You're going to go out there, even though you're the smallest, and you're going you're gonna to win. I always told myself that you're going to win. But there's one thing uh, my coach always said to me, in a long jump, you have six jumps. So you have three jumps in the preliminary rounds, and if you make it in the top eight, you get to have three additional jumps in the finals. And one thing my coach always said, he says, every single jump that you take, I want you to take it like that's the last one. Every single stride that you take, take it like that's the last one. And with that mentality... From the very first start of the competition, the preliminary rounds, every jump that I would take, I'd be like, all right, there are no more jumps to come. This is the last one. And with that mentality, I saw myself being more successful and increasing and increasing. Every single time I hit the gym, doing squats, doing bench press, doing cleans, doing snatches, whatever I'm doing, every single rep that I took, I thought about it as it being the last one. Now we're in this series called One Week to Live. And we've heard two weeks so far from our senior pastor, Pastor Dr. Phil Nordstrom. (laughs) And he challenges us or challenged us on how we approach our worship, how we approach our giving, how we approach life. What would you do if this was your last week? What would you do if this Sunday was your last Sunday in church? How would you worship? The first point I want to make is your sacrifice to God and how much you pour out is a direct measure of your faith. I'll say that again. Your sacrifice to God And how much you pour out is a direct measure of your faith. This woman, uh, she, the Bible says, poured out all of her oil. The Bible described it as costly oil. It was in an alabaster jar. And she poured it all out on Jesus. Now, whenever we think about this story and how it says, well, well, personally, I can you know, speak for myself. When I think about this story and it says, this oil was about a year's wage. And I don't know everybody's pockets in here, but if it came to a point where you had to pour out 2016's or 2017's wages and you had to pour all of that, you had to give every single penny, every single dollar, every single dime, you had to give that to Jesus. How many of us here would give that with free hands? 
And it's a, it's a question that I ask myself uh, because in our, in our society, like, there's such a great emphasis on money. There's such a great emphasis on possessions. There's a, such a great emphasis on material things and the need for them and what we need to do with money. As a matter of fact, statistics show that a lot of marriages even fail because of money issues. So money is such a big thing, such a big thing in our society. But we're talking about a year's wage. What if your money was a direct correlation to the measure of your faith? How much would you pour out? The Bible says that this woman, a year's worth of wages, uh, she took it and she poured it all out. No thought, she just went up and poured it all out. Now, whenever I was reading the story, I was thinking about, uh, and everybody probably knows this, the story of Abraham and Isaac and how he and Sarah, they couldn't have kids for a long time. And finally, after years, in her old age, Sarah's about 90, Abraham about 100 years old. And finally, they got a miracle baby in the form of Isaac. And after they had him and he was enjoying it and Things were going way, great and well. And God says, bring him. Bring him to me and sacrifice him. Now, whenever you know, I, I read that story, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, trying to think about in my life, what is that one thing that would be like Isaac that is so great, that is so important, that if God asked me to give it up, how freely would I give it up? God comes and says, Robert, Ezra. I know that we, I just blessed you with him. I want you to give him back. Give him away. I know that wouldn't be easy for me. I know that wouldn't be easy for my wife, Brittany. It would be the hardest thing to have to do. But there's one thing that I realize in life, and you might realize it too. People come into your life, and they're there sometimes for a long time, sometimes for a short time. The very same thing with your kids. I've been uh, in high school where by the time I got to the 11th grade, I think I lost like 20-something friends to gun violence or some kind of tragic accident. And, you know, their parents who are losing their kids, you know, left and right, you know, due to whatever situation but yet they're, you know, still surviving. And, you know, I, I, I think about it and I, and I say, like, you know, it's a hard thing to lose a child. It would be a hard thing to lose a child. But at the end of the day, the child or the wife or the family is not the most important thing in life. It is very important in life, but it's not the most important thing in life. At the end of the day, the most important thing in life is your relationship with God. Now, looking at this scripture here and thinking about Abraham having to give this sacrifice to God, God wasn't trying to take away Isaac. He wanted to see where his fate lied. 
If I told you to pour something out to me, God says, if I told you to give something to me, would you give it? Can I trust you enough to take this one thing that is so dear to you? Is Isaac more important to you than I am? Is this year's wages, a year's wage, more important to you than I am? Now, the reason I think personally why it's so hard for us to give up certain things in our lives is because we, I think personally, we don't fully trust God with those things. So it's hard for us at times to invest certain money, certain time, certain things in God because we think that if we invest them elsewhere, we'll have a better chance and get a better return. I'm a pastor's child, so I know how church runs. You know, a lot of people say, oh, the pastor wants to take all the money. Oh, the pastor wants to take all the offering. Oh, the pastor wants to get rich. And yeah, there might be some people who do that. I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. But one thing that I've noticed is, and one thing that I've learned is, for me, giving my offering and giving my tithes is not for the pastor or for the church. But it's a direct thing that God commands of me to do. So when I, when, I, when, I, when I bring my offering and my tithes to church, in my mind, I've given it to God. Whatever else happens with that, if the pastor takes it or whatever else it is, that's up to him and God. I've done my part, and that's how I look at it. Because you can't control everything. So don't let that be your thought. Think about the sacrifice that God wants you to make. Malachi chapter 3 is, you know, kind of like where we find this whole thing about bringing the tithes and bringing the offering. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This goes to my second point. You can never make an investment in God and not get a return. I'll say that again. You cannot, never, never, ever make an investment in God and not get a return. Now, this is something that I've proved in my personal life, and I think a lot of you also have done the same. I was in small group this week. I was talking Tom and Daphne, and they were talking about how God provided for them, and they were faithful in giving their offer and giving their tithes, and when they least expected, when they were down to nothing, God showed up. The scripture says, this is God speaking, prove me this day if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even have enough room to take it in. If you invest money, your returns may not be money. If you invest time, your return might just be good health or healing. 
If you invest your possessions, your returns might just be a miracle. And this is one thing that I've noticed. I've, there, there, there are so many uh, celebrities in, in, our, in our society. Everybody's so, so fascinated with what Kim Kardashian is doing or what Beyonce is doing or what Kanye West is doing and what all these people are doing. And it's just one of those things where whenever you, you know, see a celebrity who commits suicide and you ask yourself, how is it that they have gotten to this point where they're committing suicide? They have so much money, so much happiness, so much everything. And how did they get to this point where they have committed suicide or they are strung out on drugs? One thing that I've learned, and a lot of people have heard this phrase, is that money truly doesn't buy happiness. At the end of the day, you can get all the toys, all the gifts, all the trinkets. But there is sometimes in your life when, when you have all these things, you might not have peace, you might not have joy, you might not have rest, because these things only come from God and from a relationship with him. And so no investment that you can make in God will not yield a return. This is not in slide, but there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 17. It was talking about this woman of Zarephath. There, the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. There was a prophet called Elijah. And Elijah, during the famine, God instructed him to go to, the, to a brook. There he would be fed by ravens, and also he would drink of the brook, drink the water from the brook. But the Bible says that the famine was so great in the land that the brook dried up. So God gave him another command. He said, hey, there's a woman in Zarephath. I want you to go to her. She's going to feed you. And the Bible says that he went, told this woman, hey, I came here to see you, and I want to know if you can give me a drink. She said, yeah, sure, I'll give you a drink. But then he adds something else to it. He says, and also bake me or make me bread. She told him, I don't have any bread. All I have is some flour and some cooking oil. And in this famine, all I'm going to do is Make bread for me and my son, and we're going to eat it, and then we are going to die. Because this is our last meal. This is our last week to live, it's looking like, because of this famine. And the Bible says that Elijah commanded her, hey, take that oil, take that flour, and I want you to bake me a cake or bake me bread first. Now, when I was reading this scripture, I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy has some audacity, you know, to be coming into someone's house and saying, hey, I know that you have this for you and your son, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to die, but I want you to take what you had planned to use and bake me a cake first. 
How many of us think that's somewhat disrespectful? Somebody come into your house and trying to take your goods. Hey, this is all I have. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. I want it. <laughs> and the Bible says that the woman went ahead and she did just that, which, which I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. She, she, she bought into that real quick. But the Bible says that even before that, he had told her that if you do this, you will have such an abundance of oil and flour and bread that you won't have any need anymore. And so she did just as he told her, and she baked him the bread, he ate, and the Bible said they had abundance, and they always had something to eat. But after this, the Bible says that the son, her son, he fell sick. And not only did he fall sick, but he died. So now this woman is thinking, she actually says it, you came to call out my sins and to kill my son. And then the Bible says that Elijah goes up and he takes the boy up into the room and he calls out to God three times and asks him to bring his life back and his life came back. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the Bible says, and this is a point that I want you to take away because this is not said very often in church. The Bible says that we should submit and obey our leaders because they watch over our soul. Understand that this woman, she had her last meal to make, her final meal, and she decided to give it up to the prophet. But not only did she give it up, but after she gave it up, her son died. Now, the moral of the story here is upon her obedience and following the prophet's orders and giving, you know, sacrificing this portion of what she had, that the prophet in turn, when her son died, was able to go to God on her behalf. Hebrews 17 says, obey and submit to your leaders because they watch over your soul. We have great leaders here in Pastor Phil and Melanie, and I'm pretty sure that they're on their knees talking to God about you. Whatever need you might have. So I encourage you, take them out to eat sometime, bring them gifts sometime, because they're watching over your souls. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Whenever you give to the people, like, it's not easy preparing a sermon and coming to preach every Sunday. I can tell you that for a fact. And our pastor does that every week. Not only is he doing that, but he does it with a willing heart. And pretty sure he's praying for you, praying for us, right? Amen. Amen. So, after all of this, and kind of going back to our story here, 
just went off topic there for a minute. Just wanted to you know, give you a, a picture there of what happened. Going back to my uh, third point, or going to my third point. In the text, the Bible says that the religious ones, after they saw this woman pour out her all her, from her alabaster box, they called her sacrifice a waste. Third point, no gift given to God or for the work of God is wasted. No gift given to God or for the work of God is wasted. See, I used to, whenever I, whenever I started out preaching, I used to think that the way how I was doing was based on how the crowd was reacting and so oftentimes I would go into places and I would preach, and if the crowd didn't react and say, oh, yes, great, or whatever else it is, I would feel bad. But I stopped feeling bad. You know why? Because when I preach this word and it goes out, I'm doing what God commands. So whether you or anyone receives it, I hope you do, but at the end of the day, I'm doing my part. If, if I get an amen or a, or a thank you, Jesus, or a clap hand, it doesn't mean anything to me. Because I have learned that if I make this about myself, then it's not about God. Am I preaching to you to get an amen? No, I'm not. I'm preaching because the word of God needs to go out and you need to hear it. Whether you hear it or not is up to you. At the end of the day, I've done my job. So no gift given to God, no sacrifice given to God, no sermon preached on behalf of God is wasted, whether the people receive it or not. And so the Bible says that this woman, she poured out her oil and they called it a waste. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back at this point. She poured out all of her oil and they said that it was a waste. The religious people said that it was a waste. They said that this oil could be used for something. They didn't say it like this. Better, though. Because it could have fed the poor. Could have done other things. But I can assure you that nothing that you do for God, no serving, no singing worship, no work in the parking lot, no kids' ministry or audiovisual ministry or whatever it is, is a waste. It's all being recorded in heaven. Even if you don't get the pat on the back here or the thank you here, that there is a God in heaven that is seeing your sacrifice. How much are you pouring out? How much will you pour out? I want to get to my uh, last few statements here. Because when I was reading this, and I saw that a woman poured out her oil, and the Bible says that she poured out her oil on him, getting him ready for the crucifixion, for his death. She poured out all on him to get him ready for his crucifixion. 
And he, getting all of this oil poured on him, went to the cross to pour it all out for you and me. The Bible calls it precious blood. The sacrifice that Jesus made, it was precious blood that he poured out for you and me. It's not something that I take for granted. Not something that you should take for granted either. It was precious blood, the sacrifice that Jesus made. Now, after his sacrifice and pouring out everything, what is your response? What is your response? How much will you pour out today? How much will you pour out tomorrow? How much will you pour out this week? In the time you spend with God, in the money you give to his work, in the sacrifices that you make unto him. Let's all stand as I close here. How much of your time and your effort is spent for God? He gives us 24 hours each day, seven days each week, 52 weeks each year. And some of us have had many years that we've been living so far. And there's so many things that we have to be thankful for and grateful for to God. I know sometimes I kind of look at it and I say, hey, you know, I have 24 hours and I, and I, and I lock the hours to so many things, to work, to Facebook, to Instagram, to games, to friends, to hanging out. And then if I have to take five minutes, like we only, we're, we're only here on Sunday sometimes for maybe an hour and a half, if that, you know, and sometimes we're here, we are ready to go ready to rush out, ready to get back home, get back to life and everything like this. But I tell you, friends, that the life that you live, the things that you have, the material things, the possessions, everything that you have comes from God. Every single breath that you breathe, every single day that you have, it's a gift from Him. And what you give of that back to Him shows your appreciation for which for that which he has given to you. So I encourage us, even in this week, think about how much you're giving each day. Think about how much you're pouring out. Don't just let it be a, a Sunday thing where you come in and you, you know, sing worship songs. Sing it on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and on a Wednesday. Figure out what you can do with your time. Don't, don't just pray whenever we come and we ask you to you know, bow your heads and close your eyes. But pray on a Thursday. And I tell you for sure, there's no investment in time or money that you can make in God that won't be rewarded. That is his word. Amen. That is his word. So as we close our eyes and we bow to him, each and every person, I just, just encourage you to just to, you know, say something to him. Plan out your week.
this week, your last week, like this is your last week to live, what would it look like? How much of your time would you spend with him if you know that he was coming back on Saturday? How much worship would you give to him? Like this is the last week. Like this is the final jump. Like there are no more jumps to have. Like there are no more Sundays to come. Like there is no more money left. How much of what you have left will you give to him? Pour it out. Pour it all out. I invite our worship team to sing with us. And as they sing, I just want you to just reflect on that in your own way. You can say a prayer. You can be still. Whatever it takes. Just think about how much you're going to pour out to him this week. How much will you pour out to him in worship in these last five minutes? How much will you pour out of your money and offerings, tithes, and all these things.